Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fart Fetish Podcast once again. We've got another great episode for you today, but before that, the Fart Fetish Podcast is available on fartfetishpodcast.com and almost all major podcast platforms. Look for new episodes on the first Friday of every month. You can also enjoy fart stories, fart captions, and fart videos at thefartcloset.com and support the podcast at the same time. That's thefartcloset.com. And that's it for the intro. And now I'd like to introduce Master Jaden to the podcast. Master Jaden is a video creator and bisexual fart fetishist that's on today to talk about many important topics, including NPC video commenters, OnlyFans, and marketing. And we both share some ideas on male self-image and the toxic influencers that have exploited disaffected men. We've got that and more on this episode of the Fart Fetish Podcast. Thanks very much for being here, Jaden. Why don't we start with a little about uh, yourself and, and what this fetish kind of looks like for you? All right. Well, I'm Master Jaden, and I've kind of been in the fart community for about, I want to say, like, I've been like tumbling around as like just like a person on cake and stuff for like a few years but i've actively started making videos about a year ago actually josh the farter who he was friends with a friend that i met and he's kind of the one that got me started with making videos and stuff and encouraged me it just kind of blew from there and ever since then i created a, a following for myself who are very loyal and very good but the fetish for me has kind of always been there as a child uh, i want to say it almost came about when i was like a young child because my brother would have friends over and like they would kind of like fart on me and stuff. Just fart humor in my household was always very like there, very prominent. So I think maybe that has something to do with it. And of course the cartoons and stuff I grew up with because I grew up in the 2000s. So that's probably where a lot of that came from as well. But it was always kind of there. I just don't really know the point where I started to find sexual arousal for it. Yeah, for sure. As someone who's also like had it uh, early on, like there's a there's like a a second discovery in terms of like you have the fetish in your younger years, but you don't like you don't you know you don't know what sex is, you don't really know what sexuality is. You're just kind of like following this instinct, um, and then later maybe you find like for me it was finding uh, like a, a fart message board. For I think it was yeah. like the, the Queen of Lizzie mis, uh, message board was one of the early ones back in the day, and then uh, you know other forms came about as well and came and went and what have you. Uh, but some people I think it's porn. Some people there's a, there's many different ways, but there there's that second uh, realization that this is actually this is my version of sex, or or this is a another uh, pleasure I get in addition to sex. Yeah, like. I mean, for me, I started on like YouTube when I started. Obviously, it was like real life having fantasies. Then as I got a bit older, I still didn't know what sex is and I didn't know what that feeling was. But I used to go to YouTube videos and that's back when kind of like YouTube was very, um, they weren't as hard when it came to be demonetizing and censorship. So a lot of the old fart videos that you might remember were still on there or even just like comedic videos were there. And that's kind of where I got my pleasure before I started moving into other areas and talking to other people. Yeah, yeah, I had the same similar um, Newgrounds and other sites, like YouTube as well. But I, I don't think I spent too much time on YouTube. But like Newgrounds, I did. Yeah, and they had like uh, the one I, I mentioned uh, on Twitter recently to to somebody who had asked uh, Victoria, who had asked actually, was uh, the uh, "Oops, I farted again." It was a Britney Spears parody um, animation, and it was quite uh, quite prominent back in the day. What what kind of aspects or themes would you say uh, or around this fetish do you enjoy or, or or have it combined with the fart fetish for you 
Uh, well, I mean, I feel like for me, it was all about like the attitude and kind of like how, I guess Damien talked about in his interview a while ago, kind of like the link to masculinity and stuff like that and how it just kind of combined it, which I always found very interesting because like growing up, like, you know, it was always funny for a lot of people, but it was always considered like, you know, that's like gross. Like if my boyfriend constantly did that or whatever, like it would be disgusting. And I just didn't see it that way. And I guess if I were to grow up, maybe knowing that those thoughts I was having weren't as foreign as I figured they would be, I'd feel better about myself, I guess. But yeah, I always linked it to that. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like, I guess, the stereotypes we have, but also just the world I grew up in personally. Like that's what I experienced. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of stereotypes, I was going to say the experience you explain about um, kind of being bullied by your brother and and his friends or, or having them fart on you, uh, whether it be bullying or not. I think that's, I think many people's expectation for uh, the origins of this fetish. And uh, and I mean, you're the first person I've heard on the show mention that. Uh, I believe, I'm sure there's people in, in the wild or people, uh, other fetishists that have had that experience. But it's interesting because there is such a, a plethora of ways to get to this fetish that um, I, I think it really leads more credence to it being inborn. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Definitely. Because there's some people I talk to and they had, don't have that experience. For me to have that growing up is very rare. Um, but even then, there's people that do have that and don't have a fetish, I guess, as if I know of. But, you know, studies do show that they can come up during like a traumatic experience in your childhood or like you're born with it, like your parents had it or some sort of genetic thing. Um, they haven't done a lot of studies on that, but that's where they're at at the moment when it comes to figuring out how people would develop fetishes like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking to somebody, I mentioned uh, the idea that it, it's possible. I think it was, I was talking to Damien, I think in DMs was um, about the idea that Previous generations may have had a fart fetish, but because there was no exploration of it, they may have never known it. And we're kind of the the uh, pioneers, as it were, in terms of uncovering this as a fetish. And maybe maybe people will be able to trace it back. But um, as far as we know, like people explicitly saying uh, this is kind of the first of people like explicitly coming out and saying like, "Hey, I have a fart fetish," um, for the first time. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the internet now that we can find people that are like us without having to basically out ourselves, which is something that the older generation has never experienced. Like, especially the new generation, like the Gen Z's and sorry, millennials, like they're the first to actually go on websites, get pleasure, but also talk to other people. Like previous generations could never do that. So they either had to keep it complete to themselves or they could tell the people around them that they trusted. But for us to be more connected than ever, I feel like it's helped a lot of people come out of their shell a bit, even if it just isn't for the people in their real life, day to day life. Absolutely, absolutely, that's a great point. That's a that's a very great point about the internet opening that up. Uh, I, as I understand it, you're in a, in a relationship that that incorporates or or involves uh, fart fetish. Can can you talk more about that? Yeah, so we I am dating um, my boyfriend Jeremy, who is master ass rubber on Twitter. I actually knew who he was long before we started talking. Because I would see his videos on Instagram, I would see his videos on Snapchat and stuff, and even on this vid, a lot of his videos are pirated, but they're there. And we started talking in January, or I want to say December of 21, and we just started talking as friends, and eventually, like, around July of 22, we became really close, and that's when we started dating. And it just kind of clicked. Like, we... Other 
besides the fetish that we both shared with each other, we both share each other's fantasies, but we just shared each other's like connection. And he actually liked me first, but I was kind of like approaching someone else at the moment. So then I then began to, I guess, fall for him. And then that's, we just kind of became a thing and we're going on six months as of now. So it's been great. It's been great. Well, that's awesome. And it's something I always wanted. Nice, nice. Well, that's uh, awesome. Congrats, congrats on that. And and that is great that that you had uh, you had that connection. Um, seems like an emotional or spiritual, whatever you want to classify it as. That that's great. Would you consider yourself like a a pretty public person or or private person about this fetish? Do you do you tell people like if sexuality comes into the conversation? No, I do not. I I guess now I'm becoming more confident of who I am and stuff. And I kind of said, well. I'm doing this for a while now out of OnlyFans and people in my day-to-day life don't really know about it except for one person, just one person. She's kind of a friend because she does kind of the same thing. But I kind of like, I'm like, you know what? If any of my family members and stuff find out, then I would want them to like, they might look at me a little bit weirdly, but maybe they'll understand. I try to make my space on the internet very positive and good and changing. So yeah, no one really knows. And I don't really feel the need to tell people. I never really felt the need to like go and tell people about my fetish. Of course, like I think it's good to open up people around you. But I think the internet replaced that so I can express myself, but no one really needs to know. I guess I would consider my boyfriend the one person in IRL that actually really knows. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you do seem to have this mental separation between uh, your private life and what I'm guessing is like your uh, content creator life. Is am I Am I correct in that? Correct. And a lot of it has to do with, cause like I'm also a music artist as well. So with me doing music and producing for some people, like I kind of have to keep it separated. Um, I would love to share my music with my fans on Twitter and stuff like that, which I probably am going to do if I just get everything correct and show the ones around me that it's not going to be horrible. Cause one of my fear is my boyfriend's also a streamer on um, YouTube and stuff. Um, he's a small streamer, but he, he has a decent little following. And he was telling me how he would love to incorporate his fans from the fetish over to his personal stuff. It's just the big issue with that is it would almost, I worry that it almost like hijack what we're doing and kind of make these people over-sexualize what we're doing as well, or like expose us or something like that, which it'd be fun because, you know, the fans are already there, even though only probably 50% would actually go check out our stuff. But there's always that fear of like, what are they going to do? How are they going to react to it? Or just like, how are they going to perceive us as real people? So we try to make like a balance between personal and like normal life, which is what a lot of farters I've come to found do. Um, I don't fake who I am, but I definitely keep, I'm very personal. Absolutely. No, it it totally makes sense. And I I get you. It's it's something I think we kind of implied with uh, the last episode, episode 13, where I talked to Dill about a somewhat need to level up the community in terms of social interaction and the way they engage. Because because as we explore on this show, we all are normal people and we have normal interests, with which include you know, music, video games, whatever. Um, uh, and there should be a way to be whole people like this is not me saying uh you know uh, be more out about your fetish or whatever all i'm saying is because because i i mean I'll, I'll get into that in a second but i don't know what it is because it's because it is an interesting question i don't know if people can be leveled up um and let you know when they want to be obviously but i don't know if they can be encouraged in that way like a pied piper uh, making people want to to become more 
uh, I guess, mature in online conversations, even when they involve sexual things. Or if it's just about cultivating a higher echelon of thinker in terms of people who have this fetish, but also know how to, like like you and me, like all the people that have come on this show, like none of none of the people that have been on this show have, uh, have been only about farts. Sure, it's a big thing in their life, and that is most of what we talk about, but they're definitely whole people. So my, my, I guess my encouragement to, to people listening and what have you is, is, is try to work on this, this introspection or this ability to engage in a way that's not a pornographic focus. Like I went to, uh, and I don't want to call out Gassy Erotica, but I did go to the forum recently to promote the podcast again. Um, I have a thread there. Um, and, and it, it does feel a bit Groundhog Day, like in terms of what kind of posts are going to be in that farting section, that main fart board. Um, and it's just about videos or other mod, other models, uh, sharing content, finding content, you know, pirated content, essentially. That's all I, I'm, I'm very perturbed by, by that being the only kind of conversation the, the straight side of the fetish can have. Like I'm envious in many ways of the, of the, uh, the gay fire fetish community. And I'm sure there are problems, but there's so much, there's definitely a much larger willingness to have conversations and I think engage outside the far outside of the fart fetish. Like as Dill says, and, and other guests have said, like there are those creeps and the people that you don't want, want making comments and this and that. But I think there is more conversation happening as well, more deep conversation happening than you see in the straight side, unfortunately. And I hope that can, uh, that can change. Yeah. And I feel like um, just, we have a long ways to go before people start to feel comfortable and for example, it depends on what the fetish is. Like I know a lot of people that will go out and say, oh, I have like a hair pulling fetish. I have a, a foot fetish. Um, fetishes that are like, I guess society would consider small that are now become so normalized now that it's just like, okay, whatever, what else is new? And even like creators online, like the alphas or the mistresses, like they use that to their advantage to make money, which, you know, I think they, they could be more incorporated inside of a community, but that just shows like when you have just like regular ass people that are like, I'm going to start selling my, selling my feed pictures online. That kind of shows you how normalized the fetish is. You don't really see anyone just sitting at a table and saying, I'm going to sell fart videos online unless they're into the fetish. But the gay side has definitely became more, everyone kind of looks out for each other. Of course, there's drama and with our farters and I was incorporated in some of that, unfortunately. But one thing I found out with the straight side versus the gay side is that the gay side is very, um, we all kind of look out for each other and we're always like kind of talking and stuff. And like, if someone's like starting something, we'll, I don't want to say get them, but we'll like call them out and help them accountable. Where the straight side, it's kind of feel like more like I'm not in that. So I can't really speak too much on that. But like from what I see kind of like taking and not really giving, like a lot of men will like watch videos from females, buy videos from females and she'll just be making money and probably not even remember the dude's name. So Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's hard. It is hard to cultivate a community, I think, in the straight side a little more because sharing content, whether it be pirated or I, you know, I draw art or whatever, like that's kind of the only thing uh, the men kind of have to offer for each other. This is what uh, in Dill's first episode, he was talking about the kind of power imbalance that exists um, on the straight side that may not exist as much on the gay side because, well, because the all the men are into the farting on the gay side, whereas in many cases, the women are probably not into farting. They may, you know, be okay with it. They may incorporate it as part of their business offerings, but that is really where it 
as far as it goes. Like there's few female creators that are only fart content. There are some, I think, but most of them just have it as part of their business model, meaning they're catering to to multiple fetishes and may not have any single one, but may be able to empathetically perform or do what do whatever is is the the client wants in that case to to bring that fetish about. Whereas the the gay side does seem to have a much more community of people who can actually, you know, I can, you know, fart on camera right now and send it to somebody as like a an, an offering or an offering of friendship or whatever. Um and that could go, you know, good or bad. It does not doesn't mean it's gonna have necessarily work. But it is an exchange that I can't offer to other straight fetishists. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And like I said, I am fortunate to be there because it's almost like just the sheerness of us both having the fetishes enough to understand each other and to be willing to trade videos. Like I don't have to convince someone to send me something and I don't have to send them money. Of course I could, but would there's just there's a lot of us in the gay side. There's a lot of us to make good content that is free. Some of us do have OnlyFans, which I also have. But even just on a regular basis, like a lot of us will be willing to give out free content that's good, whether that's online, privately through chats, like all that is just it's very communal based and it's based on the sole fact that we both have the fetish and we can both help each other. Because it does get frustrating when you have to like beg someone to like give you something, I guess you could say, or to get pleasure out of it. Or even just to talk to you. Like that shouldn't always be the case, but it is, unfortunately. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, there there is significantly more uh, straight uh, fart fetishists than there are female dominance or female farters in this case, um, as it were. It, it's just kind of uh, the nature of it. I think that's why I speak to the importance of uh, like if if you're fine with porn and 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 uh, and content, that's fine. But if you want to find a fetishist as a straight um, as a straight man, it will take talking about this fetish with uh, with people you you become close to your partners what have you um, and not hiding it because I mean if it doesn't matter to you then that's fine but if it does if it is something you want in your relationship there's no other way to get it other than talk about it certainly and I've had that struggle too before I got into a relationship where I was already there like just you know me being bisexual of course with most of the girls I tried dating I didn't really bring it up because I'm not really the female farting um, so that wasn't really a deal, but like some of my past boyfriends, I never really got a bad backlash. Some of them were just either like, I want to say they weren't really weirded out. I was with one guy who thought it was hilarious and he was calling he was already a gassy guy to begin with kind of. And he would fart around me just out of like comfort. Cause he's like, Oh, you're my boyfriend. You're gonna have to deal with my farting now. But I told him and he thought it was hilarious, which I thought was kind of adorable. And, um, it kind of opened my eyes a bit is how no one knows anything about this. Cause he asked me like sincere questions that kind of sounded at the time, like arrogant, but they were sincere. So I was like, wait, so like, what do you like about it? So it's like, so every time I fart, you get like turned on or something. And he's like, wait, so like, would you like me to fart on you? So like questions that to most of us are just like no brainers, but this is someone that's on the outside trying to figure out stuff. And I kind of sat with him and talked to him about it and he somewhat understand. And then he eventually kind of did it for me like not that often but he did and that's when i realized like wow like i i someone's trying to generally understand but just the amount of clueless cluelessness they have that we could educate people is just like wow okay you know what i mean it was kind of like eye-opening in a way yeah absolutely Absolutely, I could I could definitely understand that. So you did mention you're uh, a creator on OnlyFans. Um, can you 
Can you tell me more about that? Like what, uh, what drew you to OnlyFans? Oh my, well, I eventually started selling videos online through Cash App and stuff, which became very tedious and it still is because you have to track every single thing that you make. I'm not saying I really want to pay taxes for all of that, but you have to track every single thing that you make. You have to make sure you're communicating to everybody. You got to make sure you actually get your money. And I kind of did it as like, I didn't need money, but at the time they cut hours of where I was working before. So I just needed money to pay for stuff because it's expensive out here. And I'm 19 years old. I'm a student. I don't have that much money. So I was like, okay, I'll just do this kind of like a side hustle. And um, I kind of was joking with my friend, actually, like, what if I started an OnlyFans? Of course, she didn't know about my fetish or what I was planning to do. But um, she was like, what if I made an OnlyFans? She was like, oh, that'd be fun. You know, that'd be cool. I would support you. She doesn't know I have one. But that night, it was kind of like a joke and stuff. And I just... I watch videos on the internet. They're mostly from females and stuff, like how to start an OnlyFans, how to promote it, how to price your stuff. And even though a lot of them had very little to do with um, what I actually want to do with my account, it definitely kind of helped. And then I eventually got serious about it and I made the account and people bought my stuff. There was a time where I did lose a lot of fans because I wasn't posting a lot. And I made the mistake of making things too pricey. Like my original price was 13 bucks a month. And um, now it's $9. And... One thing I realized about OnlyFans is that the lower your prices are, and it's actually really ironic, the more money you'll make. So as soon as I lowered it to nine bucks and started posting more, I got way more money than I ever have from it. And I was like, wow, okay. It's actually a very competitive market, but all my advice came from people that had OnlyFans, but they weren't. Like, I met a good friend, Chloe, who is a retired porn star, trans female, and... Um, her and a lot of other people told me was like, oh, make your prices high, know your worth. If you're making good content, make them very high. And the opposite for me happened. When I lowered my prices, I started getting more fans. And not only that, I made a better relationship with people because I did feel guilty putting stuff that high because I know me personally, I don't really buy content. I don't subscribe to anyone's only fans because I just don't. Um, but I know for me, I would like, I would be really pissed to just pay that much for someone's stuff. So I would want it to be affordable for everybody so that's kind of like what i was going on the mindset and it just happened so yeah that's great that's great it seems like and it seems like there is a difference i never i've never gotten into the subscription model side um even even as a producer but yeah i think there is a is a big difference between a uh, subscriber and uh and uh selling it outright what what would you say like the ideal subscriber to you is like how do they act i suppose Ooh, i'd say like someone that subscribes every month I communicate with so they know me and I know them on somewhat of a personal level, even if they don't know like my actual name and stuff. Taking their request, which I kind of stopped doing, like I still take requests, but if I, were, I get a lot of requests and messages a day from ask people asking me, some of them are just arrogance or like the people, you know, the people with the no profile picture saying I want you to do this, which I don't respond to those. But some of them are people that actually are subscribed that want me to do things, and I do some of them, but I make a lot of content and like within a time span or even a day that to go out of my way to make someone else something, I'll be like, okay, listen, I can put it on my OnlyFans because I'm already doing something like that. Or you can buy it personally from me. So I love doing customs, but depending on what it is, it just becomes like, sometimes it's against my limits. Like I get asked to do scat a lot and I don't really like that. So I just kind of reject that. People are like, oh, I'll be willing to pay so much money. And it's like, I don't really believe that because I know people that have gotten scammed off of that. 
Yeah, I take some requests if it's not out of my comfort zone and if it's like in if I if it's doable. But like my good subscribers will understand that I'm just I'm sticking to the actual programming. But you will have very arrogant and entitled people that will demand you do certain things for them and they'll give nothing in return. They won't even show their face. So I just don't even listen to those people. I don't have time for those people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it seems like you've, you've established yourself uh, or, or your boundaries as a creator uh, well, or you know what you will and won't do. And and again, it does seem to speak to a difference of like subscriber versus like when someone orders a custom clip, like you could still refuse the custom order, of course, but the, the cost is generally a lot higher. You feel a little more compelled to maybe do a custom order because it's like a hundred something dollars rather than like someone who's subscribing for $13 and just hoping that you'll include this in, in your repertoire or $9 rather. I sorry, I got 13 stuck in my head. Uh, what kind of uh, what uh, do you have a genre of fart content you tend to gravitate towards, or or what what do you like making the most? I really like doing the role play videos. I didn't like to do them for a while because I see a lot of like the cringy like acting videos for farting, and even though the farts are good, the acting is bad, and it just feels very forced and scripted. And I always felt like that was I was one of those people, so I stayed away from doing that. But I kind of work on my abilities a bit, and I've gotten better at that even if it takes a couple tries to record something, which is gets into a nightmare sometimes. I always stay away from doing the acting stuff. I just did like, I did some nudity, some like very revealing outfits or whatever. Um, I used to do that. I didn't used to speak, but now I do speak and do role plays in my videos. And those are some of the, my favorites to do because I really get to dive into like certain scenarios. Someone messaged me the other day and said, oh my gosh, you're like, What's his name? The Brad Jade of like videos. Like you're bringing his fantasies to life. And I love that. I love making stuff like that. It's just like, because I don't really see a lot of people doing stuff like that that are actually going to like full depth. And like I try to make my videos as good quality as possible. My acting is good. Make sure my farts are great, as of course. I can't have that. So even though it takes a lot of work, I still have so much fun doing that. And then when I'm done, I have something I'm generally proud of. Nice. Nice. And I'm sorry, is Brad Jade a content writer or? He is a contact writer, a uh, content okay. writer. Okay. Um, and he nice. makes a lot of stories, which are great. That's awesome. Do you feel OnlyFans, and I, I think I already know the answer, but do you feel OnlyFans is like a two-way conversation between creator and consumer? I do, because I almost like to think of it like a restaurant in a way. Some people don't understand this, but like it's like when you're going to buy a coffee in Starbucks, right? You're just craving a coffee. Obviously, something led you to buy their content. Something led you to buy the coffee. Something led you to buy their co coffee, whether it's the location, the pricing, they have your favorite flavor, something led you to go there than other places. But when you're a creator, you have to think like a business. You're like, why would someone want to buy my stuff? Is it because the price is good? Is it because I offer more stuff? Is it because I interact with my fans? You got to think like that. When you're just a consumer, there's a reason why you like a a business more than another business you might not know the answer maybe it's our price maybe it's just you have a loyalty account there but you know everyone kind of has their favorite grocery store to go to their favorite coffee shop their favorite gas station so you kind of got to think like that you kind of got to look at the world i guess you could say just when it comes to only fans or other creators like why would someone want to buy my stuff or one thing i did when i was starting my account is like i looked at other creators that were in the far genre as well and i was like why does this person have so many followers? What are they doing that this other person over here isn't? Like, what are they offering? What kind of bundles are they doing? So I've 
my mindset was in a way where I kept constantly thinking about why is this, why, how are they making money? And that's kind of what helped me as well. Interesting. Was that something you took away from your time as uh, in making music or, or was it something you just picked up in life or, or what, what made you think so business-mindedly about this? I think music definitely had a lot to do with it because you're 99% of the music industry is just marketing. Like whether you like to, you know, people like that or not, it's just, it's marketing. Like you, you do your art, you record whatever you need to do and you got to market it. And that's most of the time you're going to spend more time marketing it than you ever do creating something. So I incorporated that into my, you know, into the fart world, which some people didn't understand it. I was called an industry plant by someone, which was very interesting. Um, I never heard that before. And, but a, it's a community that's very raw. So for me to like basically try to market myself in the community felt weird, but it worked. Like I got fans, I got money. And someone did say I'm very good at marketing myself. I guess I am. So that's good to hear. Um, but yeah, music definitely helped a lot because, you know, you have to everything from imagery, from how you promote it to even just the people, you know, like everything is going to correlate to making your numbers go higher on certain things. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's an interesting, are you like someone uh, claiming you're uh, uh, a plant from big fart corporations, like trying to come in and, and become like the, this is going to be their new battleground at the fart fetish space? Yeah, so so funny story about that. Like back in May, um, actually, like that that's really what happened. Someone thought because I was doing well on certain platforms and this stuff, and it happened so quickly. Like someone really thought like I was like a big model that like was sent to like put into the far community and force upon everybody. Which sometimes I wish that was the case, so I could blame it all on somebody else. <laughs> Be like, this is someone else's fault. But um, like no, I'm not sitting on any checks. Like, I would love to be doing that, but I'm not. So that's not what happened. And I kind of got canceled for that. I also got my account hacked on Snapchat, um, which is why my Snapchat username is I Quit Farting because I got hacked and they changed my username. They deleted some stuff, which I got my account back safely. But yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I don't know why that happened or where that came from. Damn, that's, that's, that is some weird, that is some conspiracy shit. Because I mean, like, I get, like, there's definitely a, you know things to be weary of i would not expect this is this is where corporations are going to start making a, a big mark at least not this niche like maybe porn maybe they'll buy the clip stores or whatever but i do not see them like taking over uh the the fart fetish niche specifically that's that seems absurd yeah no it's it was very interesting and nothing like that ever happened again um which i'm very thankful for but that was the most bizarre thing because I have my personal account, friends with my fart account on there. Um, so I saw what the person was posting and they're posting like the weirdest pictures and they changed my username and they didn't unadd anybody, thank God. But I was just like, what is going on? And I was like, this might be the end of my account here. So I did have a backup account, but I got it back. But it was the weirdest. Like, I don't know why someone thought that. I kind of get it, but I don't get it at the same time is so weird and i'm and i'm wondering like why me there's people with more followers than me like that have more i guess i guess you could say videos that are better quality so i don't know why i was the target i guess it didn't like me for some reason yeah super weird super weird we talked a bit about the uh expectation in the in the uh the gay fart fetish community to 
like have some personal fart trading videos. And I, I was curious if you could expand on how you draw that line between, um, you know, being a good content creator, you know, be, but but a good businessman as well. Or, and uh, and and I guess giving back to your community in the way that's expected. I guess it all comes down to like when play fair, like just always play fair. Like if you have content, all if you have OnlyFans, always post. Make sure the prices are right. Don't give anything out for free because someone might say, "I don't have any money to pay for this." You can work with them for prices, but don't give anything for free because that's once you start doing that, you're gonna break like this hat. You're gonna start a habit of like giving more people stuff for free. So just don't do it. For any type of business, don't give someone for free. Work with them. Maybe give them a bundle. Do something, but don't give anything for free. That's like you wouldn't already give for free. Um, but at the same time, give them free content. Like send them videos. Post on your public accounts. Interact with everybody. Like talk to them. Just maybe ask them how their day is going. Talk about some stuff outside of farting. If they compliment you, take the compliment. Don't be like an egotistical bitch like some people I know are. So yeah, just just... just be down to earth while at the same time being ethical to yourself and fair. So I guess that's the best advice I could give. Absolutely. Well, and it's smart too, because, uh, you know, the, the, the thing I think people maybe forget as a consumer, what you don't understand maybe about free content or what they don't understand is that it is basically marketing. It's basically trying to put it in your head. Like, Oh, this is another reason why you might want to watch me. This is another uh, thing I have, and it, it's it's an enticement. It's a it's a alluring factor. Um, so it's almost a, a good business to do um, like like not free content, obviously, but trailers or or clips or something like that, so you can uh, promote it. Yeah, and I think one account that does great job at that is um, they're I don't want to say they're like a fart fetish account. They kind of are. They're a mix of everything. Like fart fetish V is Stomp Crush, and what they'll do is they'll have like people from the Fendon community like come to this set to like, I guess you could say like either torture someone with like farts or feet or whatever. And they'll make like a whole actual like camera set video of it. And they'll film it in like this giant arena studio, which I find, I found it very interesting. First of all, I was like, okay, I think a lot about that. Cause I'm like, okay, there's no way this person just has this boxing arena just for this. Cause there's medals in the back and stuff. So I think some dude, owns the place and like is doing that as a side hustle honestly it's based in england though i think or scotland or something like that but i found that very interesting like the way they market their videos is very clever like they'll show a clip the best clip then they'll show some other clips and they'll put like posters on who's going to be on the show next and they just go from there and i don't really do that i mostly just post little clips of what i'm going to be posting but it's just about that it's all about how people are going to perceive it and especially when we're living in a world where people's like attention spans are very low, you want to grab their attention quickly. So it's all about that too. Like there's a lot of psychological stuff that goes into it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, like, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not, I'm, I don't like being a consumer. I don't, I don't enjoy the consumer role. So I am pretty weary of that stuff, uh, but like, I'm, I'm well aware of the, I mean, cause I run a business as well. I'm well aware of the need to do that and attack those, uh, whether they be pain points or or what have you, is to is to get that consumer to um, at least look at the content. You know, get an impression, and then maybe you have a conversion as well. If you want to use uh, industry jargon, I suppose. Yeah, when you study business, it really um, you really in marketing, you really start to 
as a consumer, understand your own habits as well. And also kind of understand how smart businesses are just with like psychological and like everything about that when it comes everything from colors to, you know, retention span, it's just, it's all correlated together. So you become more aware, which I became more aware. I still spend money, but you know, I'm more aware of what I was before. Absolutely. No, absolutely. It may, it makes perfect sense. This is a topic we have discussed on the on the show before. Maybe we even touched on it on this episode. But outside of the fart fetish community, there are still people that may post videos on TikTok or YouTube uh, simply because they find farts um, funny uh, or or yeah. whatever, or they they you know they are proud of farts or whatever, but they don't have a have a fetish. And then from here, we have uh, some of the. I mean, I guess they're fetishists that come in, but they have no tact in the way they either make creepy or sexual comments on videos that are inherently not sexual. Like they're essentially sexualizing non-sexual videos. Um, I, I unfortunately, uh, this seems inevitable. It goes back to what I said about leveling up the community. Like certain people maybe will and, and are willing to uh, be more introspective or think about what they do. Um, but I think there will remain whether it be you know outside of um you know outside of english speaking countries where it's a little different uh like i see a lot of indian posters uh, for instance that maybe are a little tactless and and it could be a, an awareness thing but i mean do you have do you what do you think is there anything that can be done about this in in a way that can be done from our side like obviously the creators can delete the comments and stuff but is there a way we could like be a shield it's definitely an epidemic that's going on. Like, there's so many TikTokers and even YouTubers that do farting content. There's like comedy or like they fart here and there. But there's a lot I know on TikTok that are like just they make farting content because they find it funny or they like maybe like make jokes about it and they they do that. Obviously, it's pro it's not their whole what they do, but it's definitely a big part of what some of these people do because they love to do that. A lot would seem that as childish and immature, but then again, it's their humor. They want to find it funny, they can post it. But as my boyfriend always says, is there is one thing our community is good at, unfortunately, is you'll have people that are very respectful, understanding, and normal, but then you'll have people that are almost like NPCs, and all they can think about is just getting off. They only say a few sentences like, are you gassy? That's hot, this and that, and the third. But I think... I never really understood that either, because I can always tell when something's made out of comedy versus like fetish work which even if i find them both equally hot um i can always understand what's the difference so i'll never go out of my way to like make someone that i know is in the in the community feel uncomfortable or say something that i know they will not like but unfortunately for our people especially on the gay side which i hate to admit but that doesn't just cross their heads they find someone that does a farting video and they automatically just start saying speaking their mind and maybe it's because of the internet. You can kind of say what you want. You're behind a screen. You're not saying it to someone's face. But that has weirded some people out. Like people have made videos on stuff like that that are comedic. And then they quit the content or they quit making content altogether because they're weirded out, which I don't really blame them. If I wouldn't understand. There was this one creator that I talked to on TikTok. I'm not going to say his name, but um, I spoke to him. He's not in the community. But... um. He was like, why is everyone asking me to keep doing fart videos? And I was like, what do you mean? And like, people keep sending me messages, asking me to do this and that and third. And like, it's getting weird. And then I was like, oh, our community found you. Uh-huh. So 
I basically had to explain that to him and he kind of was weirded out by that. But at the same time, he was like, okay, that's fine. Just don't put me in that situation. Which was like, yeah, that's completely understandable. But I don't know what to tell you. Like you could either keep posting what you want to post or stop, but you're not going to filter out all these comments. You know what I mean? So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, and it's super like, that is such a, uh, it's such a fair statement to be like, don't, don't sexualize me like I'm not wanting to be sexualized. And like, you're, you're just there like explaining it, but it is, it is unfortunate that we just like this aura has to unfortunately follow us in terms of like commenting. Like it's almost like someone, uh, someone did a Twitter test where they posted about Findom or something else. And a bunch of bots automatically responded as they expected them to do. Um, And it feels like that. It feels like, when these videos come up, suddenly these bots come out and you said NPCs, essentially the same thing in, in, in this sense. And they just, those comments immediately fly up on the video. And I, you know what, I think the only thing I, we can do maybe is, is, and this is why I speak more to like more people have to know more fetishists is the only way to combat that. And maybe it'll go away at that point too, is more people know us like more people like through this show or through people talking to their friends or what have you more people are become aware of the fetish and know that this is just the the creepy sect rather than the the full it doesn't paint the whole fetish with this creepy brush yeah definitely and there's definitely like an iceberg when it comes to fight fight for fetishist um because like we're a very unknown like people know we exist and we're definitely more common than what people think we're definitely a bigger fetish than what others are but the media does not the media gives foot fetish a lot of attention and it gives stuff like bdsm a lot of attention whipping or whatever like stuff like that even diapers it gives them a lot of attention we don't get any of that and the most you'll find is like a journalist writing an article saying there was this one man that likes women farting, like a journalist writing an article saying, there was this one man that likes women farting, and that's fart fetish. Like, people that don't really understand the whole thing, which, yeah, there's a lot of men that like women farting. There's different people that like different things. There's a straight side and a gay side, and people that like other things in between. But, you know, if you were to, like, look it up on Google not knowing anything about it, you'd find those articles. Then you could dig deeper, then you'll find forums, you'll find videos, and then eventually you'll, you'll make your way onto like the bottom of the iceberg, where I like to call like the Visfit in that Twitter section with the gay farting. But from the above the surface, it's very broad, and there's not not much talk about it at all. So even if you would like to research it, you got to be specific on what you want to find, because if you just do a Google search, you're not going to find too much. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why I'm I'm very eager to make sure this show ranks uh seo wise and and what have you as as best i can because i mean this is why i went to to talk to i mean just briefly on their live stream but i heard the dinks with kinks podcast that just did a proctophilia uh in december and i listened to the episode and i was hoping and praying that they got some new information and they didn't they read um i don't i don't i'm not aware of the article they talk about of the two fetishists one straight and one gay and then there's they obviously covered brad um in the uh in the mark d griffiths um, case study 
Um, but that was it. And they, but the only reason I, I spoke to them and wanted to reach out to them is because they kept saying, we don't have a lot of information. We want you to reach out this and that. So I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to reach out. Not fuck you, but like, I'm going to reach out and, and talk to you. And they, they're really cool. Like, I, I appreciate the coverage they did, but that's my, that's my, I don't, irksome is not the right word here, but that's what irks me is this is a new podcast just came out and they're still finding the old information when like, I'm not saying this show is, is the greatest thing on earth, but like the interviews we've had on this show, I think give much more insight than anything, any of those articles, many of them poorly written, some of them. Okay. Some of them are just covering the Brad case study. Like that's the thing. It's basically, they're just circle jerking the same information around. And I, I'm trying to, like wedge in this new information as much as I can to um, change the conversation, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm attempting to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially from the gay side, you have to really find, you have to dig deep. And when I figured out how to far fetish, I used to read those articles online because I wanted to find out more about myself and make sure I wasn't like psycho. But that's all I got. Like people saying, oh, it's mostly straight men. It's mostly this and that. And I've kind of felt that was kind of crushing for me a little bit because I was like, there's probably not many people that have the same sexuality as me as even just a bisexual man or like just that would like the same stuff that I do. And then I entered the Twitter world and I it's humongous. Like, and it still fascinates me that no, that mainstream media or anything like that doesn't really know about us at that point because we're humongous. We're huge. We're so many creators. Some of us are verified, like actually verified on Twitter. Some of us actually make livings off of our content. Some of us make good art. Some of us are very like, we're humongous. Like we're, we're, we're a small little place where we kind of, everyone knows each other, but it's humongous community. Like it's huge. Like so many followers, so many people, so many like people that are into the same thing, which I'm always puzzled. Like why I think people even are just ignoring the fact that it exists or maybe we're not big enough yet to get to that point. But it's like, wow, like just being on Twitter and OnlyFans and stuff made me realize how big the community actually is and how vast it is too. Absolutely. And I was like, wow, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're, you're right in, in what you're kind of implying there. It's really a disservice to uh, the gay side of the fetish, you know, not to speak against my own, my own side, but like, I, in my, you know, maybe grass is greener estimation of the gay community, that seems like a much more um, exciting and vibrant side of the community. Like if there were two parties and you had the gay fire fetishists and the straight fire fetishists, I, I'm not saying the straight fire fetishists would necessarily be boring, but there would not be necessarily a lot of partying going on, I don't think. Because one, there's not, there's very few or not any females there. Um, whereas the gay side, they have everything they need to to be ready to, you know, party down and, and enjoy each other's company, I think, um, in a much more vibrant and joyful way, um, human way, I guess, maybe even to say. But yeah, I, I think that's to, to not, for articles and for other uh, sources to not cover that side uh i uh, or or to not give it any credence i think is is uh, is a, is a real disservice and i'm you know i'm glad we've talked to 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 gay fetishists including yourself on this show uh to to get that perspective and really clear that up because it is it is important it is important recognition is important at least knowing that they're not like a freak and at least knowing that you know they exist 
is going to make them feel better about themselves. Because a lot of people have these ideas like, oh, what I'm feeling is not normal. Like, I wish I could be attracted to normal stuff. Even just like, you know, back in the day, just like being gay, like gay recognition was such a a taboo thing. And it kind of still is, but we're getting better at it. Um, Obviously, a fetish is way different than having your sexuality accepted and getting married. But, you know, still like just, just something small like that, just knowing that you're not alone and that you're not a freak would make someone feel a lot better about themselves. And having a sense of community that they can find is going to make them feel better as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. You mentioned, you, you brought up to me, um, this is not something I, I hear uh, mentioned so much on the straight side. I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned, heard it mentioned on the show, but you talked about um, the, the concept of fart meetups and if they're, if they're cheating. Uh, f- for my sake, could you uh, expand on, on like what a fart meetup uh, might be in this in this context? Well, it's different for everybody. Some people, obviously, if you have a fetish, you're sexually attracted to it. And when I started my relationship, I wasn't really planning to do meetups, but then me and my boyfriend really talked about it, and we had a deal where it was like, if we don't have any, if we don't have our, if we're all clothed, we're not trying to do anything sexual, like even if it's like oral or vanilla while we're doing the farting, and if we're not like ejaculating, then we're fine. You know, it, it becomes way less, it's still, we're still enjoying it, but it's way less sexual. You know what I mean? It's not like we're out there trying to have sex with somebody and no one's touching us to get off. Like we're kind of just hanging out if at the most as friends while incorporating farting into it. But I've talked to a lot of people that are, do have partners or are in a relationship and they do go on some fart meetups and some people do see it as cheating, which I understand because if you have a fetish that is sexual, obviously if, if you can't provide that for them, like if you're like someone that says like, oh, I love my boyfriend to death, but I would never do that for him. Then maybe you'll feel better about him going to do that, knowing he still loves you and will come to you every night. But if you're someone with the fetish that could provide that for him and he's wanting to go out and do it with other people, that could be kind of hurting because you're like, okay, well, he found someone that he can do it with. Why was he want to run off other people? Like, is it be- they're hotter? Do they have better farts than me? Like, are they sexier than me? But my boyfriend also said, like, we, we, we wouldn't do, we would only do a very specific people, like people that we're comfortable with, that know us, that wouldn't try to get into a relationship because people have tried to get in the way of us and other people, like, on the gay side that are in relationships publicly on there. But, like, I guess the bottom line is this for us making it as least sexual as possible. But at, I guess at the end of the day, it's about what do you and your partner see as cheating? Like, I wasn't too fond of the idea at the beginning, but then I was like, you know what? Okay, well, that makes sense. And he's proven to me that he cares about me through his actions and do many things as well. So I don't really have to worry about if he likes me or not. We've been dating for six months. So if he was going to lose interest, he probably would have already done it by now. You know, I always think about that. So I'm like, okay. And he would never do anything without me knowing. Um, some people do find this weird, but I have access to his Twitter account. He has access to mine. I don't go on there and checking everything he does. Like every time he gets a, tw- like a, a DM, I'm not on there checking it out. But I barely even go on there, but it's just a matter of like breaking that barrier between distrust by having that access kind of removes like a mental wall off of you. You know what I mean? Like I don't have a problem if you want to look for my phone because I'm not hiding anything. And I don't think he would either because he tried to make his password my name. So you know what I mean? It's just about you communicating with your partner. Would you be comfortable with that? And if not, tell them why. It's just about trust and communication. Like if you 
you're in a relationship and you do see that as cheating, let them know. Then they won't do it. If you don't, that's fine. Me personally, as long as it's not really sexual, I don't really have a problem with it. And if I'm there, I don't have a problem with it. You know what I mean? I would feel weird if you went off alone and did that. But it's just about like you as a couple, you know what I mean? Because I said, I talked to some people and they're like, oh, yes, yeah, cheating. It's not. Because at the end of the day, it's a sexual fetish and you're getting, I don't see you're getting off because that's not always the case, but you're definitely getting some, some sort of pleasure from it. But then again, like I said, if like if you're not trying to like get in, get deep into it with them, then it's, it shouldn't be an issue. Keep it as least sexual as possible and make sure that you have your boundaries straight and that they both know that. Absolutely. I'm 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 a little curious or confused. I I guess what is the impetus for wanting to meet up? Like like is it's like your partner's just not into uh, farting or sexuality at that point in time, and thus you know going out to uh, meet someone who is or or what like like I I almost wondered if it was in the in the consideration of you as a content creator like you might uh, meet up with someone um, in the context of a creator um, as a you know whether it be a service or just to just for fun or whatever, but you're almost I, like for me it sounds similar to a poly relationship but like almost non non-sexual poly but i'm i'm it's, do you have any clarification on that to, to help me out yeah so we would never do anything i can provide stuff for him and he can provide stuff for me sexually our relationship is closed off and some people do get curious about that but i guess you could say like the purpose of a meetup if you're single is to get the satisfaction out of someone else. Like if you find them attractive, you can go meet with them. They can give you that satisfaction. If you're taken, like for us, it's less about getting satisfaction because we can do it for ourselves. It's just more about like meeting the, the people, like actually meeting our friends on the internet that we made, that we've known for so long. And, you know, and it's, it's more or less like, oh, I want to smell your farts so bad. It's more of like, I want to smell your farts. Like, I just want to know what that feels like. That's what it's more of like. You know what I mean? It's more of like a curiosity that's not really sexual, if that makes any sense. I see. I see. I think I think I think where I was having a breakdown is it almost sounds like the way I was taking it is almost like how, you know, in a straight relationship, sometimes you're you're they don't want your your uh female partner doesn't want you hanging out with uh with male friends. And I was wondering if it was something like that where you're in a in a gay relationship and you're not allowed to have other guy friends, but you're saying it's a little bit deeper than just a platonic fr uh, hangout with guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it pretty much is a pretty much just a platonic hangout at the most, you know, um you know, I would never let like some people will find that controlling. Like I don't find, I think relationships with boundaries and that are set up in a way where you don't put yourself in a situation that you could hurt one another. I think that's good. Like my boyfriend is very clear on what he wants. I'm very clear what I want. And we both communicate with each other about what we want. Um, we also, in our relationship outside the farting, we also have a place and time to do it. So like, you know, we'll have times where we're trying to be cute as a normal couple and stuff. And, well, we we just won't incorporate any of that at the moment. So it's like our relationship is like fairly normal, but also it is it, it is a not normal relationship at the same time because we're both on Twitter. We both have people constantly messaging us. We have people that probably do want to sleep with us, but you know, I think what's graceful about him that I really liked is like he has not really been tempted to do anything with anyone else, which I find really really good and very gives me a lot of hope too. <laughs> Because it is easy to kind of cheat in a space like this when you have so many guys around you that are attractive. 
Because on OnlyFans, I know a lot of people that are very um that are regular fans and talk to someone, but also get the stuff that like says, My boyfriend would never do this for me. I wish I had someone like you. You know, these men that are in relationships that are generally dishappy with their current situation. And I just figured like the amount of like just pank and talk to me or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want my boyfriend to feel like he's so disconnected from me that he has to talk to some stranger online to do that. And I wouldn't do that either. For sure. For sure. Uh, there seems like maybe I, I'm trying to put this as clear as possible or to, uh, or try to understand this as, as best as possible is it seems like there is a third option in the in like the platonic scale for fart fetishes or and maybe depending on your relationship uh setup as well is that there's platonic there's platonic with farts and then there's non-platonic obviously but um like it seems like there is a a a the non-platonic with farts is the one where cheating could be considered depending on the situation but then i come to this this matter of like what if you like went out to uh, uh, a cafe with a guy or lunch with a guy and like he accidentally farts like that wasn't in the intention like and you you may still be aroused by it but it wasn't the intention to have a platonic with farts meetup like how does that is that just all like a mental understanding of what is right and what is wrong uh, and I mean right and wrong in, in the context of the relationship or or like is there more to that? I guess so, yeah. Because um, I'm traditional. I'm not polyamorous, obviously. I could never do that. I mean, he's not either. We did get into a few arguments about that before. Because, like I said, like I always go by the thing, like anything I would consider cheating is talking to other people you find attractive, trying to get satisfaction from someone else, sexually or just emotionally, trying to hide stuff from your partner, I would consider stuff like that cheating or even just straight up sleeping with someone else. I'd consider that cheating. But when you are just friends with someone that you're not really sexually attracted to, of course you could find them attractive and you might, you know, but you don't have any desire to sleep with them. And you just kind of like fart as like bros, I guess you could say. And it's not like a thing where you're on the bed farting on someone's face to jerk off to. It's just like, oh, we're playing video games on the couch and you let one rip. That's, that's kind of what it's like. It's not like, oh, Come to my, come in our bed. We're here waiting for you, type of thing. So that's kind of where the line is. You know what I mean? Of course, they can find it arousing, but then it's like, okay, well, some people have female friends, and they probably want to go touch her breasts, and they find that arousing. But he's not sleeping with her, so would that still be cheating? It's you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, that was something I tried to. Uh, I, I kept asking the question on a couple of uh, uh, episodes, but I could never get it quite right and i think that's the that was the clearest way to to put it like the emotional um like of course there's like uh penetration and what have you is is an ob a more obvious uh form of of cheating uh or sexual contact kissing whatever but yes going to someone else for an emotional uh thing or you know to like if you have a pro problem with that partner and you're going to someone else to talk about it like yeah that could be that could definitely be uh or definitely probably would be cheating because it's uh you're not going to the source of uh your your problem so i i, I think i think that helps me that does definitely help me um understand uh the difference a little more uh so i appreciate that yeah
would you say there's a uh, a kink scene uh, where you are, and and is it a scene you've been out into? Have you explored it? Not exactly where I am, but in Baltimore, um, which is not far from me either. I live like an hour from there as well. There is something called the Baltimore Playhouse, which is like a a fetish ha- um, nightclub. And I think farting did just get incorporated into it, where basically, for anyone that doesn't know how a, basically a kink house works, depending on which ones you go to, there's different ones. But I know the one here, you can go with a partner or alone, and you could find someone there. Um, and basically what it is to have different, like, I guess, like, sets of stuff you can do, like BDSM stuff. They have stuff where if you want to do feed stuff. Um, they also have farting stuff now, I guess, for far fetish, like, they have, like, some people have like the gas mask fantasy or like being trapped in a box fantasy or being stuck in leather fantasy. So they have stuff like that you can use. Um, everything sanitized. It's not cross contamination. I've never been there, but I did have an old manager I used to work with that used to go to frequently. So that's kind of what it is. It's kind of like basically like just what it sounds like a playhouse for fetishes. And if you don't have anyone to go, if you can find someone there, um, you have to be 19 to go which I'm allowed to go, but I'm not going to go to a place like that because I have a boyfriend now. But yeah, like there's those places in certain cities. You, They are very underground though. Like you're not going to drive down the highway and see a sign for, oh, Baltimore Playhouse right down there. You got to find it through someone else or on the internet. So the building itself is in a warehouse outside of an Amazon building. <laughs> so you would never know it was there, but it's there. But every major city has one. That's a uh, and that that is a uh, I'm assuming gay gay focused community gay focused uh, venue. Any, any, well, anyone can go. Anyone can go. Really? They're inclusive to everybody. Um, Interesting. If you if you do want to find another gay person, um, I don't know how though to go about because I know a lot of people I've talked to that have attended there went with someone already. So I don't know how you would do find someone that tries to go there, but. Straight people can do it. Gay people. Um, everyone's kind of separated from each other. Like, there's like a section in the in the place where you can like mingle, um, just normally, and then there's like other areas where you can go privately to do some stuff. The only thing though, they they do they don't want full on sex. They don't want you to do that. Oh, which it can happen in some scenarios, which I get, but it's more just like a recreational place to explore your fetish with someone or someone else with the proper equipment to do so in a safe environment. It's not really like a, like a sex house party where you find someone to fucking take to the bedroom. That's not what it is. Um, there are some that are like that, but the one near me is not like that. So yeah, just different types and different rules and stuff. I know for COVID, it did shut down because you know you can't be having that stuff. Um, but yeah. Well, interesting. It's I mean I've been to dungeons before, but like you say, they're everywhere, and we do have dungeons here. But like the fact that they're actually catering to fart fetish, that's surprising because it i mean i'm in los angeles it could not be more vanilla kink here than than possible like yeah one of the uh dungeons has a shower but you can never use it during any of the the public play parties which would be you know for like golden golden showers and that's really the furthest out they go like they don't have um they don't have like a a a queening seat or or anything that would indicate any kind of face sitting or or farting play like they have the generic stuff um that you'd expect a you could you could film a movie there and be like oh yes this is a bdsm dungeon but the point is like it's very interesting that you say that the club in in baltimore is catering to fart fetish like maybe you maybe you don't find a partner there perhaps if you're just going for pickup play but that's um 
Damn, that's very cool. Uh, like I, I don't know how to. Um, well, I have no impact on the LA like fetish uh, kink community because I'm not like I don't because I don't share a lot of the interests. I have no like sway. Like I don't like what it's mostly rope and uh, and impact. Just the, the generic stuff. I've talked about it on this show before. Anyways, I, I'm getting off on a tangent, but that's really cool. That's uh, super cool that that you know that is specifically catering to the fart fetish and even foot fetish because that's not here either. Like, sure, you could stand, you could get on one of the the racks or the bed, um, and now you're elevated, but it's really not. I wouldn't say catering to the foot fetish at all, and I never, I almost never see foot fetish play happening either. Yeah, well. It's very complicated too because you want – it's not like some fetishes where you need equipment to work with. You could just sit on someone's face and rip. You know what I mean? It could be easy as that. But they do understand that there is other stuff to it. So I, I am very surprised that they added that too. They're not really depth into it, but it is something that they're okay with. I don't know how they go about offering that, but I do know that is one of the fetishes they do acknowledge along with piss and other things like that. So yeah, I'm very surprised they did. Obviously, I think they acknowledge them on the straight side, obviously, but either way, it's still farting. So no, so no one really cares what the hell you are as long as you're just being safe and having fun. For sure, and they must they must have uh, dominance over there that offer it because I think that may be what drives some of it too. You, this is this is going to be a little more of a, a spicy topic, although we got into some. Uh, you mentioned wanting to talk about like male body images and insecure yeah. masculinity and this is obviously big in topic right now because of uh you know Andrew Tate controversy a lot of other other manosphere figures um as it were uh what um what what's kind of your perspective on on this and and in in body image and masculinity I think a lot of men are depressed right now in America and just in the world and they're lost they don't know what to do they're told they can't talk about their feelings and um, it's just becoming a huge mess, especially for gay men, for straight men, especially straight men. I think for it's a lot of problems into one big problem, but I think the most obvious one is when it comes to talking about feelings and stuff like that. For that to be very taboo is become very dangerous because you should be able to talk to someone. But also, I noticed when it comes to you know, males expressing themselves on their feelings. If they write a sad song or a, song, a sad rap and they put it to the world, they won't get criticized. If they go to the gym, you know, pump out their arms to let out some anger, that's fine too. But as soon as they try to talk to someone about it, then it's just like they're considered weak and they should just hold it in, which I find very ironic. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you're allowed to do this. You're, you're allowed to express yourself through these other manners, but you can't actually go and sit down and have a conversation with someone. Which sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you just need to rant to somebody. Even if they're not really listening, you just need to talk to someone about it. And I think like as long as men have a figure in their life that they can go to, whether it's a parent, a partner, a best friend that they can express their problems to, I think that's more than enough. Because, you know, they do say you just need one person that'll listen. And it's true. But a lot of people don't have that. And that's also become very scary as well. A lot of people don't have that specific person that can talk to you about their problems. And, um, you know, in a world where it's all about betrayal in a world that is cold and that could stab you in the back or someone that may not agree with everything you say, it is hard to find that person that you can get personal with or can be vulnerable with because that person could switch up on you or see you differently on a certain way. So you really got to be careful, like being vulnerable 
but at the same time you gotta i guess you just gotta find out who you can be who you can trust and who you can't which is just how life is you know at the very least and when it comes to andrew tate's popularity and this stuff i'm not surprised at all i'm not surprised one bit like i'm not a i'm not i'm not an andrew tate fan i don't love his content but when you listen to some of the stuff he says some of it is true and then i i i start to understand just by like my knowledge on like psychological and stuff why people why young men mostly younger men are very attracted to him because he you know can get stuff that most men are insecure that they need like good looks money a lot of girls and i encourage anybody to make themselves into a better person that they feel like they're good enough you know, I do believe to be a good man in society, you do have to be a provider and a protector and stuff. But when it comes down to stupid things like, oh, you can't talk about your feelings, you can't paint your nails, you can't do this and that and the third, then that's where it gets toxic when you start just judging people on very small things that have nothing to do with the base of masculinity. And I think that also contributes to it. But I'm not surprised because there is a lot of male figures that a lot of men are not resonating with. And there is some, like, you know, depending on the type of person you are, like, I look up to a lot of music artists and stuff, but just on a regular basis, there's a, not a lot of people that a lot of men can look up to, which I think to look up to him is kind of dangerous in a way because it shows we don't have a lot of role models. But yeah, it's, it just is, it shows you where we are as society when it comes to men's mental health and stereotypes and all this other stuff. It's kind of gone really to the point where it's gone downhill. I, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I, and you know, I don't have, like, I didn't, I didn't follow Andrew Tate. I don't really, like, that's not, I don't, I don't care. Like, I, I don't like him as a, as a public figure, obviously, but yeah, no. I, I feel like, and I'm, this is not me blaming men. Cause obviously I'm a man too. Like I didn't, I didn't have it. You know, my, my parents didn't raise me. I rose, I rate, I, I rose, I raised myself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they didn't, they didn't provide me a good example of what you know masculinity is on my dad's side, or even what um um not feminine but nurturing nurturing on my mom's side. I got none of it, so mm -hmm. I was I was on my own. I feel very possible that I could have been, and I said it on the last episode. I could very well have gone down the incel route and been like, "This is all women's fault," and and um. And they won't talk to us and this and that. You're 100% right that there is not an encouragement of men expressing their feelings. I think that's changing. And I think, unfortunately, the men that are experiencing this have to change with it. I think what the problem with Andrew Tate is, for the good advice he is giving, he's also continuing to feed into old ideas that no longer really fit in society um in terms exactly. of like in terms of like women's autonomy for instance exactly um, and you mentioned it earlier in terms of like you know it's it's his business model to keep you on the dole to keep you mm. needing his him rather than encouraging men to you know Okay, the, your your best friend won't talk to you. Maybe you need to reconsider that best friend. But I'm not saying that. Go find other people that you can talk to. You know, maybe you keep him as your best friend, and you don't talk about your emotional stuff with him, and you do whatever you you do whatever you do together. But you have to go further. If you need that support, it, it no one. It, it's not going to come to you. No one is going to bring it to you. 
you know, I, I found this out as a creator. You know, I was a creator. That's kind of why, you know, you, you went the opposite way. You're you're a musician and, and you're, you're probably, I'm sure you're successful at it, uh, maybe make a living at it. I was trying to make, make a living as a, you know, creator or whatever. I never did it. So in a way, I feel like this is what I have to embrace or this is my calling to embrace the fetish and be more open about it maybe for other people because I got nothing else. I tried and tried to to be my media person and and I just flat out failed in in other words. No no fan base, no whatever. And I'm not saying I'm unique. Like tons of people try and fail. But if I had been a famous actor or had done better or been more successful, would I have had the freedom to make this show? Perhaps not. But the the point is to to bring it back to the Andrew Tate thing. Um, he he's I think the problem with him and figures like him is they're either perpetuating, they're trying to perpetuate a system that is no longer positive for the world, and they're essentially keeping men reliant upon them uh, as part of their business model. Which you know, for all the positives that Andrew may say, the the capitalist nature of his nature, I guess, business is uh, is the problem. He's not just in it for the helping of men. He's in it for the uh, for the business. Whereas, you know, I think there are other figures like, I don't have many, but I think of like Bo of the Fifth Column on YouTube as a, a probably a, a fairly good um, male figure. Um, and there, there's other ones that I, I do are more aware of, but they're, you know, further left, like Hassan or whatever, Vosh, other figures like this. And they and they have their problematic moments as well. But I think they're, they're more um, positive male figures. But I, I 100%, like society... The unfortunate thing for men right now is while they have to change, that change is what is going to make society change as well. Like literally we have to disrupt men into, you know, the way business and industry disrupt, like Uber disrupted taxis or whatever. We literally have to disrupt the way men are right now and reform it because the problem is each individual man having this training, oh, my dad wasn't very good or didn't encourage me this or didn't encourage me that. And we have to have all of those men get past that part because it does suck and 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 it is a shame. And then like collect them together and like start, you know, talking with each other. It's it's what I talk about in the microcosm of the fart fetish. The only reason they talk about porn is because they don't feel like they can have an emotional feeling connection with other men. And that's Damien said it here, I think on the podcast, and it's just true. It's a it's a symptom of the larger problem of men not having good relationships, not being encouraged to have real introspective emotional uh, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, relationships with their with their friends, and it should be encouraged, and it should be not. I'm trying to figure out the word, but it's not shunned when it comes to you. Like when your friend comes to you needing help, you need to make sure you're you are there in the best way you can be for them, and not like pass it off as a joke or or whatever, and uh, and and be there for them, and that's the only way this this will this will disrupt. Mm, definitely definitely and a lot of men are lonely a lot of men are sad i see it all the time on the internet when just my fans and stuff a lot of them will talk to me and i'll talk to them because i know i've been there and um i'm not saying like i'm any better than most of these people but like i'm 
I see how sad men are. I see how depressed a lot of these boys are that I talk to and even just I see on a daily basis. And it almost crushes my heart to know that they're at a point in their life where they almost lost all hope. Um, growing up, I, didn't, I had a dad and he was like, but he worked out of state. And even though he made a lot of good money, he never really like took the time to like teach me life lessons, what it's like to be a man. My older brother was had a lot of mental issues growing up. So he wasn't he was not too much of a role model lever. My mom was always there. And my mom taught me a lot of good stuff. And she kind of ran the house and she was the strong one. As long as I can remember, my mother was always the strong one in the household. Um and then my mom and dad got a divorce, and that's when I eventually moved, and then I started living with her just alone. Because my brother got to the point where he could live on his own. And um, so I never really had any like prominent male figures in my life. And a lot of people didn't either. A lot of people, like one out of four homes in the United States are fatherless. And I think that's a real crisis too. Like we don't have men in the household anymore. We don't have anyone that young boys can look up to. That children can like rely on. That wives can, you know, see as a protector and a provider. And just as a, a companionship. Like that image has gone away and I think that's definitely part of the issue but just like a lot of boys and men just don't know what they want who they are and it is very sad because as much as we have all this like you know feminist power which I'm very thankful we can get a lot of stuff out of women now but a lot of boys I feel like are now lagging and getting behind on a lot of stuff and it's sad to see absolutely there is something to be said like the people who are are criticizing the left for not having the right language uh to speak to these problems are correct i think and and you know especially more mainstream like democrats or whatever there's a, a idea to just ignore it somebody i watched recently said uh it just doesn't fit the narrative like these are right-wing issues uh and which is stupid these are human issues they shouldn't be political but um unfortunately in the in the system we have which is is problematic in so many ways um this is one of those areas where it's like we've politicized male issues to be a right-wing thing and and the the left quote-unquote as it were um has a tendency to look at at uh at like feminism and other other issues which are vitally important trans issues uh all vitally important as well and yet has I guess seeded the ground of of men's help to some unscrupulous figures. I'm sure there are maybe good po- positive people on the right side, but um, the ones we know about, uh, the ones that have, get the attention, tend to be the the some of the worst, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you know, and when you are lost, because you know, I was told like I'm just now dealing with some of my problems, but also. A lot of guys don't know what it is they need. A lot of guys don't know what's causing their problems and sometimes don't even know what they need. So a lot of times, it's not entirely their fault that they won't speak because I was one of those people. I don't know what the fuck I needed. So I said what people told me to do, just work it off and try to ignore it. And even though that helped for a little bit, it then it caught up to me. And I, I don't want to say I'm in the best headspace I've been in a while, but I definitely gotten way better, which is good. But it's just a matter of like, what do they need? How do they conceive it? You know, and yeah, mental health should be a topic for everyone. It shouldn't be like just like a left ring or issue. Like stuff like this should never be a debate. It should be like, this is happening. Male suicide is higher than ever. What can we do to stop this? But unfortunately, that's not the conversation we're having with people like that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it. it I mean, politics is such a such a web that it's like 
it almost makes sense. Like you're not going to, of course you're not going to tackle human issues. You can barely tackle like the, the stuff that's in your field, but that, that doesn't negate the importance of it. Like whatever that that's, I mean, that's again, another reason for this show is, is it is to encourage mental health because, you know, I, I had a, I definitely had a unique upbringing. I'm not saying I'm the only one who had this upbringing, but you know, mental health, was uh, has always been important to me. I've always been introspective. I've always been thinker, maybe too much. That I want to in- encourage men to to come to this side a little more because my God, it's so much better. Like I don't know. I, I can't imagine having a bullshit conversation. Like I don't like bullshit conversations or or nothing conversations and the the male friends i have tend to have deeper conversations whether we talk about politics or we talk about uh, mental health whatever it, it, i don't know how, how much mental health comes into play but we definitely talk in a way where we feel like if we had an issue i could go to them and i could talk to them about it like i feel like i can i can vent or or, or uh yeah vent to them or rant to them in in a way that they should also feel comfortable to me as well. You know, I used to rely on my mom in that way, but she was never a very good figure in that way. She was more just like, ah, oh, it's gonna all work out. It's it'll all work out. It's like at some point you get past the age where it's like, yeah, this is you have no substance in what you're telling me. So I need to find other figures to provide me some support. Uh and 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 like not necessarily do things for me or make me feel better, but like to listen and 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 feel like I'm actually being heard rather than someone's kind of like just nodding their head and and uh, and agreeing with me. Yeah. Would you say you uh, in, enjoy having this fetish? Like, what do you feel about it? Like more broadly? Like sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Like I'm glad it gave me the opportunities that it gave me, and I'm glad that I can like kind of like you know give back to the community. But sometimes I'm like, my life would be easier if I just didn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, it's definitely a big part of my sex life and my sexual attraction, but it's nothing like I hold on to super dearly. So it's like, if if it weren't there, I don't think my life would be that much different. My relationships, I feel like, would be played out differently. But other than that, like, you know, I sometimes enjoy it. Then over times, I'm just like, it would be easier if I just didn't. So for you, you ha- it's a, um, you would say it's more of like an element of your sexuality rather than the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. How would you, could you, could you expand? I don't, you don't have to get too graphic, but could you expand on how you, uh, you said your relationships would maybe be different without the fart fetish? What, what might that look like? Well, definitely the awkward conversations I've had to have would not be there. But, um, obviously if, if I was just into vanilla and if that was all I've ever known, I guess it wouldn't be that much of an issue, but definitely having a fetish spices up like your sex life. It spices up things in your relationship that weren't there before. You know, and some people are like, oh, vanilla is just fine. And it's like, yeah, but then it gets boring after a while. Like having some sort of a little fetish, I think, kind of adds some fun into your relationship and your sex life. You know what I mean? Like that's what I kind of like about it. You know what I mean? Like having someone to do it with, but also it adds that extra spice to things. You know what I mean? If they're into something, like we can do it as well. And it's like, you know, it just becomes this thing where it's like, it's quirky and it's not really weird, but it's like, you know, something we both can share. That's like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes, that makes perfect sense. It it seems like it, it does uh, provide, you said a little extra spice, like it does give a little something extra uh, in a way that maybe other kinks or other sexuality may not. Yeah. That's cool. 
That's very cool. I, I can't, I mean, we're coming to the end here and I really can't thank you enough for taking the time and, and really like diving into the topics with me. I, I felt like this was a, a really great exploration of, of uh, a number of topics. Yeah. What would you say your thoughts on, on the future of the fetish is, uh, whether it be for yourself or the community or, or both? I think we're going to go into a world where it's definitely going to be more accepted maybe not the far fetish, but just like more fetishes enough that if you bring it up to someone, it's not, they're not going to be completely disgusted or creeped out. And the internet can only expand um, for better or for worse, but we'll definitely be more connected and maybe we'll start doing more stuff. You know, maybe it'll become more communalized in person. I know just in media, it's getting a little bit more better. Like um, there's a music artist that I know, Ms. Neon, who I also saw on tour when I saw poppy a while ago and a lot of her she's a trans female and a lot of her music is fetish around like she talks about fetishes in her music um not anything farting but she did talk about face sitting in one of her songs and um to get to that point just in music or just in the media if we start accepting other things other things won't be so weird you know what i mean so i think we are going to in a future where it'll be less frowned upon very nice Anything more specific? Anything specific for you, uh, or goals you want to hit in the future, whether it be fetish related or not? I guess the goal is like to keep good, my good connections with people and be as accepting as possible to other people, like with other fetishes. Like, because I, this has also made me more open minded having fetish to learn about other people's fetishes, even if I don't get it. So it's being more open minded to learn about other people's stuff, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is awesome. And that's a that's a great note to end us on. Jaden, I, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you today. And, and I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much.